Alrighty. Good morning. Happy Saturday morning. Week three underway. Dolphins manhandling the Jaguars, basically. And uh, Wiz, how are we doing today? Are you excited for tomorrow's action? Oh, yeah. I'm always uh, raring and ready to go for week three. I have some interesting and some good ideas on betting perspective, props, stardom, sit-ems. So uh, I am ready to go. You know, I know we, we definitely, you know, it's a f- football podcast. We do talk about other stuff from time to time. But I just had to mention one thing from yesterday. It, it was just incredible. And sometimes in sports, there are things that come together, and it it's just makes for an incredible moment. And uh, the, the Miami Marlins yesterday uh, became the second team in Major League Baseball history to lose 100 games the previous season and then make the playoffs. But in the fashion to do this where Derek Jeter and Matt Mattingly are such prominent parts of the, of the team's management, to do it in Yankee Stadium, to have DJ LeMayu crack into a double play, probably the, you know, at this point he may be the best hitter in baseball. Uh, and for the Marlins to accomplish this feat on the anniversary of the day, September 25th, of the passing of Jose Fernandez, it's just one of these things where, yeah, I don't know, you know, I know people believe that there, there are things that work to make these happen, but there are a lot of incredible factors about that. And uh, you know, I just wanted to say uh, unbelievable job by the Marlins. Congratulations to them and their, their front office, you know, Derek Jeter and president of baseball operations, Michael Hill and Mattingly running the team. Um, just, just incredible. And I don't know if you got a chance to see the ending of it, but Wow, just if you, if you just take all of those factors and, and put it together, it makes for something pretty incredible. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, on Fernandez, who was a guy, you know, recently Tom Seaver passed away. And when I used to watch Fernandez pitch, you know, you look at his lower body and it was a, it was a pitcher that reminded me so much of Tom Seaver. You know, I grew up idolizing him and, 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 and Fernandez was kind of being looked at as, you know, he was going to be the cornerstone of this franchise. So when that unbelievably tragic event occurred it certainly set set this team back quite a bit but um yeah that's that's a remarkable story in in, in a in a wacky baseball season and we know the Marlins they, they, how many weeks were they off before they actually got their season underway right because they were one of the first teams that was impacted so it's a really great story uh certainly better than our Mets that's for sure the Mets couldn't uh do much this year very very disappointing effort from um, from the Metropolitans hopefully better things yeah, to come I mean, they, the Marlins, you know, because of what happened with the COVID nineteen to them, they had, they had to play an incredible twenty eight games in twenty four yeah, days. Crazy! That, that is incredible. And uh, look, you know, you know, it's a shortened season, and they're only playing sixty games. But the finish over, you know, five hundred or above five hundred, I think, they're thirty and twenty eight right now is just incredible. So I just wanted to to mention that, and uh, just a lot of things at work to have it at Yankee Stadium with those, you know, Jeter and Mattingly, of course, being in the recent Yankee times. Uh, you know the, the the Yankees from the last fifty years, not the teams from the thirties or forties or fifties, but the, you know the team. The, the, I guess the, the, the we grew up, you know, from the seventies and on, watching you know two of the most iconic Yankees, Jeter and Mattingly, to be a big part of that Marlins team. 
are just made for an incredible story. And so, so moving on to this week, before we get into the players and fantasy stuff, there are just a couple of games, and I know we're going to get to bets, but I'm not really talking about from a betting perspective. I have no idea if you like any of these games from a betting perspective, but I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of these games that seem to be matter, that really matter on the upswing or downswing. And it's only week three, but you get the feeling that for a couple of these teams and a couple of these games tomorrow, and I just wanted to just I'll run through the four games that I was just thinking about. You just tell me if you agree that there's real importance there um, or, you know, maybe not as much as I'm thinking, but from the upside, you know, the, the Las Vegas Raiders have started off 2-0 in that big win at home on Monday night, and now they travel cross-country, and they play the Patriots. And, like, I think this is a game where if, if, if Vegas wants to be considered as a real playoff threat and, you know, maybe even a threat to come out of the conference or a team that the Ravens or Chiefs have to be concerned about, you know, I think this is an interesting game to see how they play because I think if they come up with a clunker after playing and winning that, you know, being uh, such a, you know, on such a high after the Monday night game, it kind of may move them back with the field. And and similar to Green Bay, who have walloped their first two opponents, uh, the Lions and Vikings, now they go to and play the Saints. And I know we're a little dubious about the Saints. So I feel like on the upswing, the Raiders and the Packers this, this week has some importance for if they're going to be like real threats to come out of the conference or, you know, threats to, to the top teams in the conference. And then on the downside, two teams where it just has a feeling to it are the Vikings and Eagles, the Eagles playing at home to the Bengals and the Vikings at home to the Titans. And, you know, you don't want to see like a season could be over week three, but there's just, you know, a lot of negative stuff going around the Vikings and Eagles. So taking into consideration the two teams on the uptick, the Packers and Raiders, and the two teams on the downtick, the Vikings and the Eagles, are you in agreement with me that there just seems to be some extra importance to it to week three that either for a couple of those teams it could be a loss season and for a couple of teams – these are real statement games. Yeah, no, no, no I, I, I agree. Uh, good, good selection of games. I, I would have added one more team to the to the downswing teams, and, and that would be a team that I don't know who they pissed off um, uh, in the schedule makers' office, but uh, the Houston Texans are, are certainly up against it this week, playing the Steelers after opening the season against Baltimore and and Kansas City. So, as you mentioned, you know teams. Upside, you know, the Raiders, I, I felt very strongly about this year. So, yeah, they have to come out and play a great game. And, and hopefully that was just rest that those players were taking after Monday night. And when those players I'm talking about are Josh Jacobs and, and uh, Darren Waller. And, and this is a compromised Patriots defense, not, not the same as it was last year. You know, a lot of those guys opted out. But a very big statement game. I think Derek Carr played an excellent game on Monday night. So if he can come back and do it again, it, it would certainly do that. And, and you know, for, for Green Bay, they have to do it most likely, and it looks like by, all, by, by, all, by a certain amount that uh, Devontae Adams is not going to be playing in this game. So that certainly challenges them. It's funny that you mentioned two of those games, because you, you mentioned the Vikings and the Eagles too. Uh, in two of my picks of the week this week, it involves 
two of the games that you talked about. We'll get to that. Let's not. Uh, uh, yep. Okay. No. No problem. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 for me, none of those games I mentioned, I have a betting perspective on. But I didn't. I didn't want to like you know have you you know, start yeah. walking over. No, no, I wasn't going to go there. But I. But but it's interesting that you mentioned those games and and two of them I have highlighted. So it's interesting. Very interesting. We'll. we'll uh, looking forward to that so before you know we'll, we'll end the podcast i guess with the picks of the betting and the proposition but what we like to do is have the segment uh every friday or saturday where we kind of like have i don't know start them or sit them i, I think we need a name for this segment i'm, I'm gonna call this love them or leave them who do we love and who are we leaving um for other people to have or other people to start. So I guess, we'll, you know, we're doing quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, so we'll, we'll flip-flop who goes first. So I guess at quarterback, I'll go first. Um, I have a quarterback that I love who I think is, is by most people's standards, maybe outside of the top ten for we, this week. And I love Matthew Stafford for this week. And there is a contingency, though. Uh, I believe Kenny Galladay is going to play this week, and it looks like he's playing. But if Kenny Galladay plays, I love Matthew Stafford. I feel if you have him on your team, he's a must-start, and I feel he's certainly a quarterback that I am putting in, and I suggest and advise that you put in your DraftKings lineup at quarterback. If you look at the – teams, the first two teams that Arizona has played this week, they played the 49ers, who basically had no receivers. Their starting receivers were hurt. They were running the ball, tight ends. And then last week, they went up against probably, you know, look, I don't want to keep bashing Haslam, but he's in the bottom three in terms of quarterbacks, and he still even had a good game. So I am loving Matthew Stafford this week as finishing this week as a top three to five quarterback. And believe it or not, the quarterback that I am leaving, and I know this is at my own peril, is Russell Wilson for this week. Now, I'm not, am I saying Russell Wilson's going to have 170 yards and no touchdowns? No. But he's ranked in the top three in just about every possible rankings for week three. And I think he's not going to finish even in the top seven or even top ten. So where he's valued and where he is on DraftKings, I'm going to fade Russell Wilson. I see this as a different type of game where the Dallas pass rush can get to him a little bit. That's what they do best. And you may see some Elliott. You know, I think obviously you're going to see Elliott, but I think, you know, more than we've actually seen him in the past uh two weeks where I think they're really, really going to try and get him going. And I think you're going to see a lot of Chris Carson as well. So I know the under and over is the highest for the week and it's going to be 500 yards passing for Wilson and Prescott. But my fade, believe it or not, is Russ Wilson. So have at it. You can even rip me for that pick if you wish. No, I'm not going to rip it. I still think it'll be an offensive game. Um, but and I, and I think I find Chris Carson to be an interesting play this week. I, I do. I think I think if you're Seattle and you know they've let Russ cook the first two weeks, so I, I understand that. But if I'm Pete Carroll, maybe I play a little cat and mouse, and I want to keep Dak Prescott in that potent offense off the field too. I, I think this is a game that Chris Carson should be utilized a lot more. Uh, I was looking at the over under on his yards. I think it was around sixty five and a half. Um, but yeah, this could be a game where you, you want to play keep away a little bit and and uh, and manage the clock. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on on you for that whatsoever. Um, I think it's an interesting one. I think it's a very interesting one. 
And Stafford, you know, certainly if Galladay can come back and, and, and be a factor in this game, it's a big deal. So, All right, what do you got? So, yeah, so I went with, uh, I went with two rookies this week to kind of nudge their way into the, into the kind of top 10 story. And uh, one guy is Joe Burrow, um, and, and a lot of it is predicated upon what you talked about. I just don't like a lot of things that I'm seeing out of the Eagles. That secondary has played very poorly. They have a little bit of extra rest coming into this game, having played on Thursday night. So I think Joe Burrow is going to have a top 10 week this week against the Eagles. I really like that. And the second guy is, you know, a guy who will be prepared to play this week a little bit more against a very young defense who hasn't been able to stop anybody. And I was impressed by what we saw of him. He he was agile. He was moving around. We talked about this being beneficial to the offensive players in this offense. But I'm going to go with Justin Herbert as being a guy who I think can touch the top 10 this week as a quarterback, just based on a very, very different situation as opposed to what transpired last week where he was kind of thrust into action with actually really knowing that was going to be the case. Very interesting. Very interesting. Definitely two guys are outside the top 10, and you're predicting one or both will finish in the top 10. And who's your favorite quarterback? If the favorite quarterback, I'm just going to pick one guy this week. Uh, you know, you, you've talked about this a little bit. We know they've played a little bit of a weakened schedule to start the season, but this is the week to get away from Josh Allen. Uh, I know they're going to be home. We know there's not going to be fans there. There are a couple of key defensive players, certainly, on, on that uh, Los Angeles Ram defensive team. Uh, I think this is a game where Aaron Donald will do some damage uh, and, and make it a little bit miserable. We know that Zach Moss is not going to be in this game for Buffalo. Uh, Jalen Ramsey will probably be attached to Stefan Diggs. So I think this is going to be a little bit different sort of game for Josh Allen. He is ranked the way I see it, basically top seven in almost every uh, prognosticator's forecast. And I see him coming back down to earth this week. All right, so that's good. We have two guys both in the top seven, uh, Russ Wilson probably in the top three, and um, Josh Allen not far behind that we're uh, putting as our fades. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we got to be, you know, just clarify when we mean fades. We don't necessarily mean they're going to be absolute clunkers, but, you know, we're talking about what their performance will be compared to where they're uh, situated and valued at for the upcoming week. So that's uh, – that's the way to look at it. Um, let's move to running backs. Where you're gonna you're gonna have first crack at the running backs. You're just gonna flip flop back and forth positions. So have at it. Give us some running backs, and uh, you know, give us I guess sure thing at running back if you want, and then give us maybe a guy or two outside the top fifteen or twenty that you think could sneak in there, and uh, and then your fade. So have at it at running back. Okay, so uh, my sure thing this week is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the Jets have basically have a lost season in process right now. Uh, Jonathan Taylor will be a big part of what the Colts do. I, I see Jonathan Taylor as finishing with a top three week this week. The volume will be there. The touches will be there. It's just going to be that sort of a game where they'll be pounding it down the Jets' throat. Uh, and I just see Jonathan Taylor as having you know a big beneficiary of that. So I'm calling for a top three week from Jonathan Taylor this week. Um, and the other guy is is Chris Carson. I you know it's funny that you mentioned it, but Chris Carson is a guy that I think they they have not run the ball that much. But I think this is a game where you want to run Chris Carson, and I think he has a much bigger game than he's probably outside. I don't know, top twelve to fifteen, I would guess uh, coming into this week. But I see that being a top ten week for Chris Carson this week. Excellent. And uh, you have a speed had running back, somebody who maybe is considered in the top 10 or something, uh, somewhere along those lines that 
you're looking to be outside the top 10 or just someone you don't necessarily like for this week? Yeah, so two guys. Uh, one is is a player I love and we own in, in leagues. But I just don't like the setup after the Monday night game, the injury, the lack of practice. I, I, I am going to be concerned about Josh Jacobs' production this week. Uh, it's just a game where I can see... Uh, the, the passing game being a bigger part of this, for, for whatever reason, it's just kind of something in my head right now. I know Henry Ruggs is out for the Rams. Um, obviously, Belichick will try to take away uh, Darren Waller for certain. But I don't know. I just have a feeling that Jacobs is going to have a little bit tougher time. I didn't like the way, so I'm stretching out in the sidelines and the lack of practice time this week. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a fall out of the top 10. And then the second guy uh, who's performed very well to start the year but is going against a very formidable defensive front. And I think it's going to be rough sledding for Melvin Gordon this week. Uh, it's, it's a player that I think will, will be very challenged. I think the whole Denver team is going to be challenged this week um, from an offensive perspective. All right. So you're Fades of Jacobs and Gordon. And um, we will get – to my selections at running back, and yeah, I mean, I was looking at at, uh, at uh, Taylor as well, but I, he, he he just seems like that's kind of, I don't know, I don't need to give that one out because I just feel like either you were or, you know, going up at home against the Jets is a likelihood that he'll, he'll probably have a decent game. So I'm going to go in, in, in the other direction with two other running backs. Um, I, I don't know if it was because they played, uh, they started off with a Sunday game and then a Thursday game. But, you know, the, the Bengals have been kind of cautious with Joe Mixon about his touches. And I think that's going to change this week. And I'm looking for a big, big workload and day from Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon is, is, is like viewed outside the top 12 even, like not even considered a running back one. And I love Joe Mixon to finish inside the top 12, inside the top 10 even. Um, so I, I love Joe Mixon to have a very, very big game. And then the other one is um, – a running back who's a rookie running back. And um, when you look at the Panthers, their first two games going up uh, against the Raiders and Tampa Bay, um, they gave up big days to Jacobs and Leonard Fournette, you know, two inside the tackle runners and Joshua Kelly fits that bill. So while, uh, you know, Joshua Kelly, who's considered the second running back, you know, probably the 1A or, you know, however you want to look at it to Austin Eckler, I love I love Joshua Kelly to, to finish inside the top 15, maybe even a running back one. Um, so I think both running backs for the Chargers are going to have good weeks this week. But I, I, like, uh, I like Joshua Kelly. And my fade at running back this week is a guy that is inside – everybody's top 10, but I, I just have a view when somebody has an outrageous fantasy game the week before. It's just a tough to, now I'm not saying he, he's going to come nearing to duplicate it, uh, but I, I kind of like a fade based on that and the situation and the team he's playing. I'm fading Aaron Jones um, as a top 10 running back for this week. And like I said, when I'm doing these fades, it sounds like I'm predicting Aaron Jones is going to have 37 yards rushing. I'm just saying where he's valued, where his draft position is at running back, where he's priced at on DraftKings. Um, I'm taking a pass on Aaron Jones this week. So that's how I view the running back um, position. 
And uh, let's go to um, let's go to wide receiver. Where I guess I'll go first. Uh, we'll keep flip flopping. And uh, my wide receiver that I love this week is somebody who you loved last week, but I just love the matchup, and I just think there's going to be tremendous amount of volume. So I am on the Allen Robinson bandwagon for this week, and um, I'm trying to find where Allen Robinson is listed here. Uh, he's he, So he's, he's ranked pre, pretty high in some of the stuff that I'm looking at in, in rankings for week three, but I'm going to say that he's my sure thing at wide receiver this week. So I'm going to go with him. And then my other sure thing or a player that I love and there's some hesitancy um, because he hasn't played yet. So it's like kind of out of sight, out of mind, and maybe people have forgotten how great he is. But if Kenny Galladay is a go, I'm all in on Kenny Galladay. I'm all in on Matt Stafford. Uh, I think he steps right in uh, even after not playing two weeks. And, uh, he rocks and rolls against Arizona. So those are two receivers that I absolutely love. And my fade this week is going to be Chris Godwin. And I, again, he, he's going to probably put up good numbers, but you know, he's ranked as a top 10 receiver. It just hasn't looked right yet with that Tampa Bay offense um, coming off a concussion you know, so I think Chris Godwin is going to be, you know, finish as, in a, as a, an elite wide receiver one this year. There's no question about that. But it just may take a week or two for that thing to start getting, um, you know, full throttle. So I'm going to take the wait-and-see approach and fade Chris Godwin this week, where he's ranked, where he's priced at. I'm going to take him. Robinson and Galladay, I love God and uh, Godwin. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach. So have at it. You could comment on that or get right into your picks either way. Yeah, the Allen Robinson one's an interesting one. It should, it should be a game that is going to – my personal – I have a strong view on the game, so I'll get into that in a little bit. But I, I think that the conditions are probably ripe for him to have a good week this week. Um, so I, that's about my only comment on, on, on the players that you actually mentioned. Um, all right, I'll, I'll give my, my guys that I like and I don't like this week. So – the two, the two guys I really like, um, Keenan Allen is, is one. I just, uh, as I mentioned, I like Herbert this week. I think Carolina's defense is poor. Keenan Allen probably there still isn't a lot of confidence around this guy yet, but I think it's uh, building. Uh, you talked about the fact that this would be very beneficial to him, and I think we see a lot more of that this week. So Keenan Allen is one. And the other one, even though they are playing against a solid defense, you know, with Sterling Shepard being out, this is Darius Slayton. He's uh, really going to be the focus of the attention for Daniel Jones. The Jets actually put some yards up, both Chris Hogan and, and, and Braxton Berrios on, on the 49er offense. So I see Darius Slayton doing that in this game. So those are the two guys that I really like. Uh, two guys that I'm going to fade this week. Uh, it's not going to be the same again in line with uh, Josh Allen. I don't think there's going to be the same event for, for Stefan Diggs this week. Uh, you know, he'll see a lot more Jalen Ramsey uh, and, and a much stronger defense. Um, so I'm staying away from that player. And the other guy, uh, this is an interesting one, but I'm going with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper in 2019 averaged 40 yards a game on the road, as opposed to at home, which was over 100 yards a game. 
Uh, if there was a if if the if the twelfth man was in the crowd, I'd feel even stronger about this. But that's just a fascinating stat in, in terms of uh, away from home and at home. So I'm going to be fading Amari Cooper against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, um, I think there's going to be some frustration with uh, owning these Cowboy receivers in the sense that you know you'll see games where two of them go crazy and one has a bit of a clump. So it'll it'll be it'll trade you know, you're the guy odd man out because, you know, it's difficult to have three guys every single week go crazy. Uh so I think the stats speak for themselves with Cooper on the road. Um so I think that's a that's a that's a good one as well. So, you know, I think when it comes to DraftKings, one thing I like to do and I think a lot of people like to do is they like kind of stacking their lineups. And what I mean by stacking their lineups is they kind of try and get a quarterback with one receiver or a quarterback with both receivers. And, um, you know, if the quarterback goes crazy and you nail the quarterback and receiver, it's like, you know, it's, it's like extra bonuses because he, if, you know, three guys are off to a great start, especially if you have the right receivers when you have the right quarterback. So are you suggesting, uh, you know, DraftKings has all day early and late. So would you, for those people that are playing the four o'clock games on DraftKings, were you suggesting, you know, go with Herbert and Allen stack them, those two players? Yeah, I like that. I actually like that a lot, against, especially against a defense that has not done anything thus far in stopping anybody. Excellent. Excellent stuff. All right, let's move on to tight end where you're, you're, you're having the first go at it. So tell us who are your loves and who are you leaving at tight end. Yeah, I'm going to have three loves and one, one leave, okay? The three loves uh, are as follows. Noah Fant, otherwise known as Noah Fantasy. Um, I think it, this, is, this will be a very, very big week. Uh, I don't know what's gone on here in the last two weeks, but Noah Fant has put up a monster first half and then disappeared in the second half. Now, whether that's due to defensive adjustment or, you know, just abandoning what was working, that remains to be seen. But Jerry Judy's a little banged up. We know Cortland Sutton's gone. I think Noah Fant's going over 100 yards this week. So that, that, that's one. Second one, with that uh, Philadelphia Eagle receiving core banged up, I just seem to think that things are starting to shift. There's a lot of noise going around around that tight end situation, the contract of Ertz, but I think this is a Dallas Goddard week again. And I'm going to add one more guy, and I've mentioned him a bunch of times. I don't own this player in any league yet, but I'm going to have to change that very shortly. Um, but I, I just think with the lack of confidence in the receiving core for the Houston Texans, one guy who's actually starting to get some rapport with his quarterback, and that is Jordan Aikens. And even though they are going up, against a difficult team in the Steelers. Like I said, Noah Fon had a good first half against the Steelers this week, but I see Jordan Aikens as a guy that could have a very good week this week for the Houston Texans. And the guy I'm going to fade is a guy I mentioned earlier just because there's a history with Bill Belichick taking away a team's best weapon. And I'm going to say Darren Waller is going to disappoint after a whopping Monday night football game. I'm going to be not shocked for him to come down to earth with more of a 5-for-60 type game without a touchdown uh, and that's my call on the tight end spot this week. Excellent. So, I mean, we haven't talked about the games we like from a betting perspective, but I'm just going to go on a wild limb here. And if you don't like Jacobs and you don't like Waller, you may have the Patriots as one of your picks for tomorrow, but we, we will get to that. Uh, I had two tight ends that I love this week. One is a 
top ten guy, and one is a is a guy that I don't even, I don't even think is ranked in in the top thirty at tight end for this week. How about that? Uh, the guy that at inside the top ten that I was going to mention is the same player. It's the first one that we've had common so far, and that is Dallas Goddard. So um, I'm not going to really add much to it, though I do think that. Um, there's a real good chance that Gollard could 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 touch 100 yards uh, this week. I like him. He's 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 one that I, I really like at that position this week. My super duper 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 sleeper at tight end this week is a player that people had some expectations for and has done a, a big fat nothing in the first two weeks, and that's Irv Smith for the Vikings. Um, I just think. The Titans are susceptible um, to to the tight end position, and the Vikings have not used Irv Smith at all. So he's priced at $2,800 on DraftKings. And I, I say sprinkle in a little Irv Smith. If you're playing some lineups and, you know, I'm not saying go into the millionaire maker and, and definitely just key Irv Smith as your tight end. But if you're playing a few bucks at DraftKings and you're putting in a few lineups, what I think most of us do, sprinkle in a little Irv Smith at $2,800. It allows you to put some things that maybe you feel much more confident about. And um, look, if he does nothing, it's $2,800. But if he hits and does something big, which I think he's capable of doing in this game, then you could be off to the races. So Irv Smith is my dark, dark, dark horse this week to really do something. And the guy that I'm fading this week is a top five, top three guy at tight end, is I'm fading Mark Andrews this week who seems to me is, you know, he's a, he's a good, he's a, he's a very good player. I'm not saying he's not, but it just seems that teams do not grasp that when the Ravens get down to the red zone, when he's throwing the ball, he's looking to throw the ball to Mark Andrews, and teams have not figured that out. I think Kansas City is a little smarter on that, and for this week, I am fading Mark Andrews, believe it or not. So, those are my tight end picks, uh, loving and leaving and fading and all of that. And uh, I don't know, before we get to the picks for the week in terms of a betting perspective, anything you wanted to add on any, anything we've uh, talked about yet? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I almost put Mark Andrews on the downside too. I, I, I just I, – I think this is going to be a Hollywood Brown day actually um, for, the, for the Ravens uh, and maybe even a little Miles Boykin. I think they'll pay attention to Andrews. Andrews actually only had one target last week. I actually think he's a little bit more inconsistent than, than people realize. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of understanding your logic in that one for sure. All right, excellent. So we're going to get to the betting games we like versus the spread. And uh... – you know, from a betting perspective, uh, you know, my best bet uh, the first two weeks are two winners. Uh, last week, I had a crazy game, Seahawks playing four, and they won the game by five, and it literally came down to the last play of the game at the one-yard line, but a win is a win is a win. So I'm going to let you have first crack at this because my list this week from a betting perspective is very short and very sweet. It's only one game, and I'm sus- kind of a suspicion that you have several games, so give the majority of the time to you in terms of 
games that you love for this week from a betting perspective. So have at it. Yep, sure thing. So, yeah, I have four games that I'm looking at this week um, and, and from different perspectives. Uh, this is a week where the Chicago, even though Julio Jones is probably not going to play, uh, this is a game where the Atlanta Falcons hopefully shake off what transpired last week. I, I believe currently that line is sitting at around three. The Bears have gotten two lucky wins as far as I'm concerned, and I don't see their offense being able to stick with this uh Stick, uh, stick with the offense, even without Julio Jones. So I like the Falcons to bounce here. Another team, your team, that's going in the wrong direction, but I believe that this will be a week that the Minnesota Vikings rectify at the start of the season. And the Vikings are getting, I want to say, two and a half points at home right now. Uh, that's the last I looked at it. But I like the Vikings against the Tennessee Titans this week. I think the Vikings win this game outright, actually. I think it will be a Dalvin Cook festival, too. Uh, and hopefully your boy Irv, Irv Smith gets going as well. Um, and the other two games, uh, very simply, I just don't think the Houston Texans are a very good football team. And Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger are just getting revved up here. I think this offense is going to put on a show this week. So Pittsburgh laying four to the Houston Texans. I see that as a winner. And the last one is the Sunday night game. Uh, the over-under is 53.5 points. I'm going to take the under in the St. Green Bay Packer game. 53 and a half points. The Saints Packers under 53 and a half points. That's interesting. So let me, let me just ask you a couple questions about some of these picks. The Falcon game, you know, that whether Julio plays or not, that's not going to change your view in the slightest. I mean, I'm guessing if Julio gets ruled inactive, that that line goes to two and a half on Sunday morning. But I guess, you know, I'm not asking you, you know, what you think if the line's going to move. I guess I'm asking you if Julio's out, are you still on the Falcons this week? Yes, because I just don't, okay. like, I just don't like the Bears as a team. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no opinion at all. The under, I could see, uh, especially when Green Bay has played these two wild games, uh, put up a tremendous amount of points. I'm not sure they're going to do that this week, so I could, I could see that one. The Vikings, yeah, I mentioned these are one of the games that, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, over the three, you know, we start thinking about, you know, what's going to happen with Zimmer, um, you know, just if the you know if if you, whenever a coach has been around so long and you know you feel like they should have done better in the playoffs some of those years and then they have one of these years like this you always start wondering you know uh, you know uh, is the team going to start thinking about or talking about making a change so this is one of those games when Minnesota plays well um, you know the, obviously all of that will change so my pick of the week is your game, except it's the other side, believe it or not. I like the Texans plus the points against the Steelers in this game. Uh, obviously, we don't talk about the games we like, but we're, you know, my one game is against one of the games you like. And, uh, you know, I understand the conventional wisdom of like, you know, Texans, are, you know, they're done and, and, and uh, you know, they just haven't recovered and the Hopkins trade and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm looking at this game and yeah, Pittsburgh's 2-0 and and the Texans are 0-2, but I'm looking at it. How did the teams arrive here? So the Texans, as you mentioned, played at Kansas City to open up the season on Thursday night, and then they played the Ravens at home. And when you look at the National Football League right now, 
not only are the Chiefs and the Ravens the two best teams in the AFC, they're the two best teams in football. And in my view, there's a chasm back to the rest of the field as far as talent in the NFL right now. Like, I feel like Kansas City and the Ravens are in a class by themselves. Um, and they're, you know, they're good teams in the NFL, but I think there's a, there's, a, there's a large gap between Kansas City and the Ravens and everybody else. So, you know, I'm not going to fault the Texans for going 0-2. I think probably 30 teams in the National Football League would be 0-2 if they started off the season yeah, against the Chiefs. I agree with that. But and then how did Pittsburgh get there? Well, they played on the opening Monday night against the Giants, and then they played at home against it. The Broncos, where they were death in taxes to hold them off, with Drew, you know, Driscoll moving them up and down the field against them. I don't know. I understand people thinking the Texans are done and, and the Steelers are back, and I, I still think the Steelers are going to have a good season. But I think. The Texans are going to hang in there in this game, and I, I think the Texans are going to cover the four or four and a half points. I'm looking at it right now. It's blind to four and a half. So we'll see how it goes. I will say this. If you're right and Pittsburgh blows out the Texans in this game, then, you know, there's going to it's going to be one of those seasons for the Texans. You just, you know, just see it uh, that, you know, things are going to steamroll and there's going to be a lot of pressure to make some changes. Um, but, I just don't feel that's going to be the case. I don't. I, you know, I'm not giving up on Deshaun Watson. I love the player, and I just feel like, man, I watched Pittsburgh playing those two games, and I don't like what they did. Uh, Denver was moving up and down the field against them with a backup quarterback, and then in week one, things could have changed on that dime if Daniel. You know. It, it was just a play that just changed the complexion of the game with Daniel Jones rolled out and he got hit and he threw an interception after the Giants had moved down the field. So little plays like that, I think this, the Texans may win this game or certainly keep it close and cover the spread. So we'll see how that goes. Very interesting. You are four. I have one pick. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Are, are we ready to move on to some proposition bets for the week? Yep. Sure thing. All right, so proposition bets, and listen, I hate to give myself a pat on the well, back. I don't really hate to give myself a pat on the back. I love giving myself a pat on the back. And I'll tell you, I've come up with some real real winners with these prop bets. And uh, I don't know, I feel I'm seeing the ball so well with these props. And I, I feel almost like I'm Tony Gwynn in his prime going up against Rick Porcello or someone like that. Like, I, I'm feeling pretty good right now. So, you know, when looking at these prop bets, and we've talked about this briefly, my goodness, I mean – you could, we could probably come up with a hundred prop bets that we like on players and team props that we that we like if we go into it so deep. So I, I, I've narrowed down to five. Three are you know ones that I like. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't bet on, but I like. And then two, I just absolutely love. So I'll get to the three that I like, but I'm not betting. T.Y. Hilton, over 57.5 yards receiving. He has played maybe the two worst games of his career. Drops, 
all of that. I think he had, you know, some home cooking where he has his best games. I like T.Y. Hilton over 57 and a half yards. I already Joe, Joe Mixon, I mentioned that I think he's going to get a lot more volume. So I love Joe Mixon over 65 and a half yards rushing. And I like him in the, within the same thing as uh, total yards rushing, receiving 83 and a half. So you can kind of pick and choose that one. I like both of those. I like Russ Wilson under 287 287 and a half yards passing. So I like those three. Um, if you, you know, you, you just want to mess around and bet a few bucks on those, I can see it. But the two ones that I'm recommending that you bet are these two. One is if Kenny Galladay is a full go and he's playing and he's suited up, Matt Stafford over 270 yards. Matt Stafford over 278 yards passing. I feel as a lock. And I'll tell you what. I think Matt Stafford's going to throw for over 378 yards passing if if Kenny Galladay is a full goal in that game. So Matt Stafford over 278 yards passing I love. And the other one is something that you touched on, and I just think it is a lock. Melvin Gordon under 59.5 yards rushing. The Tampa Bay Bugs defense held Alvin Kamara to 12 carries for 16 yards, and then they went up against McCaffrey, 18 carries for 59 yards, um, barely over three yards a carry and barely over one yard a carry for maybe the two best running backs in football. And then Melvin Gordon's going to get 60 yards rushing. I don't think Melvin Gordon gets 40 yards rushing tomorrow against that Tampa Bay defense. So my two rocks as far as these propositions go, Matt Stafford over 278 yards passing and Melvin Gordon under 59 and a half yards rushing. You could add some thoughts on that or get right into your, your picks. Yeah, I think there's some a lot of interesting stuff in there. And, and it kind of feeds into guys that you think, you know, the Russ Wilson feeds into you, your pick in the week, and the same thing with Matt Stafford. So I buy that. And, and the Gordon one is interesting. You know, we talked a lot about the Tampa Bay defense before the season started. So uh, I'm not surprised to, to hear you say that. And I think it'll be tough sledding, especially given the fact that they're compromised uh, on, in other places right now. So, so yeah, I think those are all very, very good picks. And, and I kind of went in the same direction as you did where you know some of the, most of these are, are repeats kind of what I talked about already but let, let's uh, I'll add a couple of new ones so Terry McLaurin um, going back to Ohio um, playing against the Cleveland Browns that uh, the Browns secondary is banged up um, but I'll tell you what it's minus 62 for his over under in yardage and this is the guy that you know Haskins is locked in on I think Terry McLaurin goes over 62 yards I think Noah Font is going over 44 and a half yards at for uh, for tight end for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Amari Cooper was at 70 yards receiving. I don't see that happening, so I'm fading that. And on the upside, I'm going my two my two locks. Okay, my two locks. Um, Actually, it's really three locks. So I'll add two that I talked about already, and the other you one. Got, you got six and you think you six, six in total. total. You mentioned McLaurin. You mentioned Font. Cooper. And you mentioned Font. Yep. Those are the three you like, and now you have three that you love. Do I got this yep. right? Three that I love, okay. Number one is Darius Slayton going over four and a, 44 and a half yards receiving. Number two, Jonathan Taylor, 77 and a half yards rushing. And this one might be my surest bet of the week. But Tom Brady, one and a half touchdowns this week. The Broncos have given up five touchdowns in their first two games. Godwin comes back. I might even say that Gronk scores a touchdown. They have tried. I'm telling you right now, I would not be surprised. 
Bruce Arians, they got, uh, they got, they're advertising Gronk as a blocker only. I wouldn't be surprised if Gronk scores a touchdown this week. But to me, one and a half touchdowns, Tom Brady, Denver Broncos this week, absolute lock on the over. So the, the three loves, uh, as far as your prop, that's all overs. Let me just get this right. Jonathan Taylor over 70. Seven and a half. Number, 77, 77 and a half. Uh, right. Darius. Brady over one and a half touchdowns thrown. Yep. Love. And the third love again was. Darius Slayton, 44 and a half yards receiving. Okay, those are your three loves. So that's interesting. Uh, you got some that you like and then some that you love and your three are all over. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we, we will see how that plays out. I mean, there's no running and there's no hiding from these picks. They're out there for everyone to, uh, to listen to. But, uh, yeah, it makes, it makes for interesting stuff. And, man, there's a lot of stuff to do with these football Sunday. You have your fantasy football lineups. Then you have the DraftKings or FanDuel. Then you have your bets that you want to put in, you know, all sorts of pools that people are in. Uh, so, yeah, some days are uh, may, make for some interesting, um, interesting situations as far as wagering goes and a lot of different things um, to, to be looking at on Sunday. Uh, yeah, anything else you wanted to add before we uh, wrap it up? No, look, and again, I would suggest uh, pay, usually on Saturdays, not a lot of stuff comes out, but some people have open-ended waiver pickups. Some people have a second round of pickups like we do in a variety of our leagues. But, you know, you just want to make sure that who's in your lineup, who's out. Guys that probably, there are probably a few players out there in some leagues that shouldn't be on waiver wires. You know, take a look. Do do your due diligence. Um, I'm a little nervous, Wiz. We, we got a decision to make because I, I, I still see that this Darren Waller situation is still questionable at the moment. And, you know, if you're in a situation like Wiz and I are in right now where Darren Waller is our only tight end, we may have to make some sort of a decision and and, and find somebody that, and just in case he gets ruled out, we may have to have somebody in the waiting. We've actually talked a little strategy. We don't want to give this completely out because people listen to this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, well, you know, that's this is why I'm a proponent for, for, you know, not only the COVID, but the other thing that I've been talking about so often is the lack of transparency about these injuries. Yeah. Like it was kept a secret that the doctor punctured Tyrod Taylor's lungs with an injection. I mean, you know, that, that, that all of a sudden, you know, his, his status was in doubt and they didn't know. And, and it wasn't announced until right before game time. Like I, it, this is just silliness as far as the lack of transparency. That's why I think all leagues should have, you should have some ability in some way to be able to make Sunday pickups because you're at the mercy of the transparency of of the NFL. Um, so I, I feel like in a situation where you have to have your moves in by, you know, I think a lot of waiver wires in leagues do it Saturday into Sunday morning at like two o'clock in the morning. And that's a long time before any real news comes out about the Sunday game. So it makes it difficult. We're going to have to figure out what to do. I mean, the last thing you want is to have a situation where you have one tight end on your entire roster and the player gets ruled out and you're taking a zero at the position. So yeah, we may have to do something uh, to, to prevent that. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I just fear that, you know, that's what 
a lot of leagues, uh, you know, are up against, and a lot of fantasy football owners are up against is, uh, you know, the lack of transparency for the NFL and uh, and and getting caught in a, in a in a crazy situation like that. So, um, are you a proponent of? I know, like some of your leagues do, some of you don't. Do you like the idea of being able to like look at Sunday, seeing the stuff that comes out, and then being able to, you know, whether it's a waiver wire process or just first come first serve, and being able to make moves on Sunday? Yeah, I do like it. I mean, I, I have that in a few of my leagues, but but not all of them. So you know, I, I definitely understand uh, the frustration when a player gets ruled out. And and look, this is going to get even more complicated. Forget the injuries, you know, potentially COVID, and we we haven't even touched the bi weeks yet so this will get even more challenging so yeah i think leagues got to really get themselves in shape I, I wanted to ask you one question here so you seem a bit confident um that if he does play you, you don't seem that worried that galladay will have an issue playing this week um given what transpired last week with players like julio jones like if you if you found out that julio jones or Devonte adams which i don't think they're going to but i i'm just always a little squeamish about putting out a guy who's not practiced during the week and just kind of gets rolled out. You know, there are concerns around that. It sounds like you have more confidence just because they never put this player on IR. You think this was just kind of like a cautionary story that the, that the Lions were playing into? Like, how do you normally feel about players that are kind of on the cusp of potentially being active or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. One is like the history of the player and Julio Jones has just been – you know, he's just a guy that I I don't own in any leagues. I made it clear that I wasn't going to own him in any leagues. I'm not saying he's not a great player, but the stuff that fantasy football owners have who have Julio Jones on their roster about the experience, some real headaches, I believe. And I was just concerned that plays and series that he missed don't start becoming into like halves and full games and weeks. And I'm worried about that. But but the thing about Galladay is the stuff that I've read is that he was almost a goal last week, and they just wanted to be cautious with him. And then, you know, you see stuff from Kenny Galladay says, well, I'm not 100%. Well, I'm not buying that. I think that if he really wasn't 100%, you really want to let your opponents know that you're not 100%. I think that's kind of a possible situation in waiting. But look, I could be wrong, but my view is, is if Kenny Galladay has a setback, Kenny Alley goes out in pregame warm-ups, and he's not ready to roll, he is not going to be active for the game. But I believe you're going to see Kenny Galladay a full go, and I think he's going to be unleashed, and I think he's going to you know, take Stafford along with him, and uh, Marvin Jones becomes a much better receiver when he's a secondary guy, and he's able to do his thing uh, without defenses focused on him, and, and the same thing for Hawkinson as well. So um, I think Kenny Galladay was almost ready to play last week. They kept him out as precaution. He's going to explode tomorrow. That's just my prediction. Yeah. I've been wrong a few times before. I'm sure I'll be wrong again. Well, but you know, that's, that's the funny thing. That, that's the funny thing, Wiz. Like, we've been doing this a long time. Like, for, for being really successful at fantasy or, or in any kind of gambling, right? So, in, in fantasy, like, if you win somewhere between 55 and 60% of your games, you know, that's really a strong performance. Like, you're not going to be right all the time. And yeah, you're going to get some flack when you're wrong and stuff, but it's just, a, it's, it's, 
it's just the way the ball rolls. Like in baseball, you know, the, the best hitters in baseball, you know, they make out 70, 70% of the time. It's just that, that you know, so it's, I think it's the same thing in fantasy. Like you're going to be wrong sometimes. There's no question about that. I do want to touch upon one thing you mentioned before we wrap it up here. And there's this kind of thesis around when a star player is out and what it means for the players around him. And we could look at Thursday night where DJ Shark is out of the game and we see how things fall out. We, we expected bigger games out of, well, I thought there would be bigger games, you know, potentially out of Chenault and, and Cole. But as you mentioned, the offensive line being compromised and compromised further when Cam Robinson got thrown out of the game. How do you think about like players like Russell Gage and, and, and Calvin Ridley if if, if Julio is not a go, uh, situations like that, when the best player is not in the mix, is it always the case where you're going to stay? Like, like, you know, I see Calvin Ridley in some picks this week being ranked as the one or, sec- or, number, one or number two receiver for the entire week. Is that something that you would be questioning? Well, I, I think it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's definitely a team-by-team and a player-by-player situation. I think it's a great topic you bring up because I think this is the one thing that fools more fantasy football owners than anything. For instance, I'll give you a scenario. So say Tyreek Hill goes down to Kansas City, which, you know, has happened. He looked on his last game that he hurt his hamstring. But let's say something happens to Tyreek Hill and he's going to miss an extended amount of time. I think fantasy owners look at the Kansas City Chiefs' offensive, you know, their receivers in that receiver room, and who's the player that most, you know, runs and is similar to Tyreek Hill, and people think that's McCall Hardman. And then they think, oh, okay, Tyreek Hill is going to be out a month. McCall Hardman is going to get in there, and he's just going to put in the same numbers up as a Tyreek Hill. But that's way, way off. He's not that type of receiver. He is definitely a complimentary guy. That's the receiver, a gadget type player. What I look at situations is if he, you know, if his key guy goes down, who's the third or fourth guy that hasn't been playing that may get in there that may start getting volume? And to the other point, I think when I look at the Falcons situation, I think that one is different than the one I just gave, the example I gave about the Kansas City Chiefs, because it appears to me that Calvin Ridley is about to take over the mantle as being the number one guy there. Um, And I know Julio Jones has been a fixture and a superstar and all of that, but I'm loving what I've seen out of Calvin Ridley. So I think that in that situation, Calvin Ridley would take over and be the number one guy, and then you'd have to look at the other players. But the Jags, when you watch the Jags play on Thursday night, it's, it's obvious to see. When defenses and they're putting their best corner guy on DJ Shark and they're giving some safety help on DJ Shark, that's allowing players like LaVisca Chenault, who's a rookie who's going to get better and better, and Keelan Cole. To, to operate and do their thing, and then to a lesser extent, Conley. But when those defenses are focusing on those receivers, they're just not going to produce in the matter. And it's just like you could say, okay, DJ Shark would have gotten five for 95. There's 95 yards available, and there's those five extra receptions available. Is it going to go to Cole or Chenault? It, it doesn't work like that. And it wouldn't work like that with Hardman. 
but it would work that it is going to work out with Calvin Ridley. That's why I asked you if you still like the Falcons because um, if even Julio doesn't play, because Calvin Ridley to me is right on the cusp of taking the mantle of being the number one guy there. Um, so I think it's a it's a it's a case by case situation, and I just feel it's a trap that a lot of fantasy owners fall into. Is like number one guy's out, and now this guy is most similar to him or the second receiver is now becoming the first guy. Like when I watch the Steelers play, I think the best thing for Juju Smith Schuster and Deontay Johnson is they have each other. Um, They're both going to get their stuff every single game. Uh, You've seen it with the first two weeks and that's going to continue. That being said, if one was to go down, the, it wouldn't be like the other guy would go from six or seven catches to 10 or 11 catches, and the odds would go up a lot either. They need each other, and that's the reason they're both playing so well. So case-by-case situation, but don't get caught in a trap and just assume this guy's out and the next guy up is going to just assume those catches and re-audage. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. They have not posted any receiving uh, player props for the Atlanta Falcon players yet, uh, awaiting news to see what happens with Julio Jones. So I think it's interesting. Folks at DraftKings are following this stuff very, very closely. So, Yeah, fa- I mean, those things. Are, I mean, let me mention one. We have, we have a great listener. John from your league is an avid listener, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, up in, up, up, up in Cape Cod. He's an avid, avid listener. Absolutely. Yeah, we love that. You know, we have friends out and, you know, guys that are in leagues with us, guys who, you know, we're up against, you know, guys, you know, they, they, they love it. They support the podcast, you know, and John, uh, he told me he's an avid listener of the show and he was thinking about, you know, contacting me for uh, any startup sort of advice. And uh, yeah, you know, contact me. No problem. Always want to help. I got a lot of calls and texts on every single Sunday morning about startup and cinema and all of that. So uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to help everyone. We, we appreciate everybody that supports the podcast and, uh, and uh, we, we really don't take that for granted. Yep. No, no doubt about it. And just to remind everybody, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, subscribe. It just comes into your inbox. It's really simple. So we're going to wrap it up there. I'm excited for week three. You know, we get ready to sit back and see a lot of football, great games all around, some really exciting matchups. As you mentioned, some teams really up against it. So it'll be very, very interesting. Just to one see. last thing. You know, yep. I'm not sure if we're going to do a podcast every Monday, but I think for this one, considering the game that's on Monday night, we'll probably do something on Monday and talk about the Ravens Chiefs game. That's great. Yeah, it's just a, that's a really special way to end week three for sure. All right, Wiz, we got some uh, strategizing to do uh, for a couple of leagues, so we'll talk a little bit about that, and uh, otherwise enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Yeah, you do the same.